You're listening to The Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and business mindset coach, Anna Dunleavy, and we'll explore topics on self-doubt, following your intuition, and why self-limiting beliefs might be holding you back. Hello and welcome back to episode 63. Today's guest is the lovely Caroline Rowland, who is the founding editor of 91 Magazine, which is a gorgeous interior and lifestyle print magazine. We chat about Caroline's journey to becoming an editor, how 91 Magazine was born, and Caroline shares her tips on pitching to online and print publications, which is something that I know a lot of small business owners often struggle with. Let's dive right in. Hi Caroline, thank you so much for joining me. Hi Anna, thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do for those who don't perhaps know who you are? Okay, so um, my name is Caroline Rowland and I'm the founding editor of 91 magazine. And 91 is an independent interiors magazine, which I started up myself. Um, It's kind of nine years ago now. So originally it was an online magazine and then it went into print in 2016. And it's kind of been growing ever since then. Um, And as well as the magazine, well, I've got a few other kind of aspects of the 91 brand we do some online workshops which which we started at the start of this year and we've also been running kind of in-person events last year and obviously those have been cancelled for this year so there's various kind of aspects of of the brand and then as well as that I do a little bit of freelance work so I am before the magazine I was a picture editor for the Financial Times so I still do a little bit of picture editing mainly for book publishers now and I also do a little bit of freelance writing for other magazines so that's kind of the bulk of what I do at the moment. Yeah that sounds very quite varied actually it's all within the same kind of field of work but I'd imagine it feels quite nice to be able to do the work on the magazine but also the kind of freelance stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what I really enjoy, the kind of variation and not having that kind of monotonous day job anymore. But yeah, it's all underneath the kind of umbrella of publishing. So it's kind of my specialist area, I suppose. So Yeah, so when I was doing a little bit of research, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I came across the fact that you actually started a degree in fashion photography so that was kind of your (laughs) beginning in the education I suppose the kind of further education and Mm. how did that form what you do now and also I I know that you decided that that wasn't actually for you and you decided to kind of pivot slightly so do you want to Mm. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah so going kind of back to, to kind of my late teens I grew up in Northern Ireland and I I didn't actually do A-levels. I went to art college and did an arts foundation kind of course. And while I was there, I, I kind of had this dream of, you know, moving to London. Um, and I saw the fashion, it was fashion styling and photography at London College of Fashion. And I think as like a kind of young 18-year-old that just sounded really exciting and fun. Mm-hmm. And I obviously thought at that point I was a lot cooler than I actually was. But um so I applied and got into the course, which was amazing. But yeah, I think once I got there, I realized I really wasn't very cool at all. And, uh, you know, it was just, it just wasn't for me. It was just very fashion-y, very conceptual and just not really what I wanted to be doing. So I think probably about halfway through the year, I realized that I really wasn't enjoying it. I was living in some quite grotty halls of residence in Battersea and 
just yeah it just wasn't what the dream that I'd kind of hoped it would be and I remember I remember my granny passed away that year um and I had to go home for the funeral and I just didn't want to go back and mm-hmm. um, my mom and dad were like no no you have to finish you know you chose this course you have to go back but they did say like if you don't want to it was a two-year course so they said if you finish the first year then decide over the summer if you want to go back so I finished the year and then I just said yeah it's just not not for me so then I still wanted to do photography but just in a more of a kind of general way because I guess I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it at that point so I applied to University of Westminster just to do a general photographic arts degree so yeah so I got into there and started that the following September and then that was a three-year degree course and yeah like I said I didn't really know what I wanted to do with with photography at that point and that course was quite focused on kind of more art photography it was photographic arts was the degree and looking back on it now sometimes I think I would have been better doing something more focused on editorial photography mm. but like I say you, you know you don't really know at 18 19 years old what you want to do with your life so so yeah I did that course and then at the end I'd started to you know really have this interest in um magazines and publishing and picture editing and things like that so um that's then when I started to kind of applied for I think like internships and things like that and I actually ended up going to New York not long after I finished my degree and did some work experience for a magazine there and I think I did two days with the magazine and two days with a um, picture library but I was actually staying with a friend my best friend from back home in Northern Ireland she was in New York teaching dance and so she was living there but she was living in upstate New York so not in Manhattan Mm -hmm. and I was obviously working in Manhattan in these kind of offices and I had to travel I think it was a two-hour journey into Manhattan so it was a four-hour round trip every about four days out of five in the week and yeah it was pretty pretty grueling but you know at that at that time I was so driven and so enthusiastic that I was like Mm -hmm. yeah I'll do it I'll do it I think I was supposed to be there for two months and I think I lasted six weeks. I was really missing my boyfriend, who's my, my husband now. And yeah, and it, again, it, you know, the dream that I kind of imagined of working in New York mm. and sex in the city kind of style, it, you know, traveling for four hours in a coach every day wasn't all it was cracked up to be. But, you know, it was an amazing experience and really kind of set me up for when I came back to London. So, yeah. Yeah, that's such a fascinating journey. And I think I really relate. And and I always kind of say that it's actually really hard when we apply for university courses at that kind of age of, you know, 17, 18 of actually really knowing what it is that we want to do. Yeah, definitely. Most most of the people that I speak to had absolutely no idea or perhaps, you know, a vague idea of what they perhaps wanted to explore. But I think it's it's quite a, a tough choice to make at such a young age. But mm. I guess what I what I'm curious about is whether is photography been kind of a part of your life from, you know, when you were a child growing up, or is that something that you took up kind of later on? Um funny enough, I had I remember I had a hot pink um film camera 
Um, I don't know if you remember the old film that you used to get that was kind of like, I can't remember what it was called now, but it was like, um, it had two little round bits on the ends. Mm. You may be a bit younger than me, but um, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, the, this kind of hot pink camera that I had. And I, I think it was probably in kind of primary school, towards the end of primary school, I had it. And I always used to take it on school trips and we'd go to like a stately home or something and I'd take all these pictures and, and then, you know, my mum would, get it developed for me and they were always rubbish rubbish pictures but I think I just enjoyed the process of kind yeah. of taking the pictures and things so even at that point I was kind of interested but I don't think I ever really had a proper camera I don't even know if I had one in art college um or whether I just used their cameras but but yeah I think I always had that interest and I think I also always had that interest of kind of interiors and in that I think I've seen a lot of interiors kind of bloggers and, and people say this now that they always used to rearrange their bedroom when they were mm. younger so I always used to love pulling everything out and moving around furniture and you know I guess now I wasn't calling it this at the time but you know styling up your shelves and yeah. um, things like that and I guess at the time I just thought everyone does this you know but looking back on it now things like that I guess are little indicators of what what you're going to be interested in when you're older so yeah I love how, and I've heard quite a few people say this, that actually what you used to enjoy as a child and what you were really drawn to as a kid, actually it kind of really informs how you perhaps, what you will be drawn to as an adult. Obviously that's not always the case, but sometimes when we kind of do a bit of digging and actually realise, yeah, I did used to do this as a kid and, and yeah. that was quite yeah, a nice kind of creative thing that I enjoyed. Yeah. Sometimes throughout that kind of growing up process and and you know then obviously looking for jobs we sometimes let go of those things that perhaps actually did really fuel us creatively Mm, yeah definitely and at school I wasn't interested in any other subject other than art that was all I wanted to do Um, and that's why I didn't do my A-levels because I had to choose at least three subjects and I you know said to my parents but the only subject I'd want to do is art so that's why I decided to go to art college in the end so that I guess in a way it kind of almost funneled me down like you know I had this love of art and you know making things and creating and then as I went to art college and that was an art you know I think it was an HND that I did and we did lots of different disciplines and then I found that kind of love of photography and then you know my kind of journey through um, my education in London so yeah I mean I think it all it all shapes who you are doesn't it so yeah as a as someone who never considered them to be themselves to be creative growing up I I, I never thought I was any good at kind of the you know drawing or painting or I wasn't any kind of musically inclined in any way. I I found creativity kind of later on in life. So that I find that really kind of fascinating that actually you were always drawn to be creative. And I suppose I wonder whether I've been kind of exploring using creativity as a way for self-awareness and self-exploration, I guess. And I wonder whether that's something that you found useful. Yeah, I guess it's funny actually talking about this at the moment because I think, you know, in our normal lives, you're just so busy, aren't you? And you're just trying to get through everything at your to-do list. And, you know, I've got a five-year-old, so I'm constantly kind of doing pickups and running her places and whatever else. And I just never really had time for for doing anything for myself that wasn't work-related. But since we've been um, obviously going through this period of lockdown um, and my daughter's been at home, and I've had to find creative ways to teach her. And, we, you know, we've just done so many creative projects. And, 
you know, we got some air drying clay the other week and made little pots and we painted sticks that we collected and, and yeah, just, just drawing and painting and games and things like that. And it's been really nice just to kind of do creative things just for fun. And yeah, it's just been really lovely. And it's funny because sometimes we'll be doing something together and she'll get bored of it and she'll wander off and I'll still be like, oh, I have to finish painting this <laughs> pot because I'm really enjoying it. So, mm-hmm. um, and we've also been doing loads of jigsaws as well, which I think a lot of people have been doing. And those kind of like mindful activities that just allow you to to kind of relax. And I think a lot of people have needed that recently, haven't they? Just to take their mind off yeah. everything that's been happening. So yeah, I think it's definitely been been nice to kind of rediscover that that part of my creativity yeah I think just allowing yourself to actually like you say just be creative for the sake of just playing around and actually just Mm. enjoying the process because I think sometimes as adults particularly if it's work related we have this idea that we have to it has to be there has to be an end goal Mm. of some description and and sometimes that kind of gets in the way of actually just enjoying that process yeah definitely so tell us a little bit about what kind of prompted you to take or go into the freelance work and and set up your own business because obviously you've talked about working for newspapers the financial times and so what kind of prompted you to take that self-employed route yeah so whenever I so as I said I went to New York for six weeks or whatever it was back that was like 2005 I think and when I came back from there I obviously came back to London trying to get a job I did a little bit of freelance stuff initially and then I got a job for Getty Images which are one of the biggest picture libraries and I worked there for a couple of years I actually kind of ended up towards my the end of my time there I ended up doing some picture editing on some big events like premieres film premieres and I went to Cannes and Venice Film Festival which was amazing so I got that kind of experience but I think at that point I was really really wanting to move into publishing and that's how I ended up at the Financial Times initially I was just on their kind of news I think I was doing online initially which wasn't that much fun it didn't really interest me that much but then I moved into the the FT weekend newspaper um, and I actually was working on the house and home section and again like it's kind of funny how it all kind of converged and at that point I was getting really interested in interiors and started my blog around the same time my my own personal blog which um, initially was called Patchwork Harmony so I worked at the FT for about five years and as I say while I was there I started my own blog and then I actually opened an online shop for a few years as well so I was running that while I was working full-time and I was selling like vintage homewares and things like that and then I kind of had this this brainwave one day about starting my own magazine and I'd seen some magazines in the states and Australia that were kind of online magazines so I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a try so I did actually start the magazine as I said online um, again while I was still working full-time at the FT and obviously at this point I, I wasn't a mother so it was a bit easier to kind of juggle all of that work and as time has gone on and you know the magazine was was getting read by quite a lot of people and I had had interest from a book publisher and they you know wanted me to write a book with them but whenever I went to meet with them and and I said oh no I still work um, at the FT they were like oh okay well you're not going to be able to write a book at the same time as doing a full-time job and everything else so I was like oh you know but I think that gave me the the push I needed to actually take the leap from my full-time job so I kind of had started 
winding down a little bit um so the ft had allowed me to i think i had wednesdays off so i used to work like a four day week for them and then I had one day a week to kind of work on my own stuff so it wasn't like I just one day suddenly woke up and went I'm going to quit my job it was all very gradual and then I think eventually some voluntary redundancies came up at the FT and it just felt like the right time for me I guess it was you know like I said the book publisher was interested in me writing a book and the magazine was kind of doing okay it wasn't making me loads of money by any means so yeah so I just decided at that point to take voluntary voluntary redundancy which was in 2013 and yeah so I just I just obviously the the best thing about taking the redundancy was that I got a little bit of cash to kind of keep me going while I got things going and that year 2013 I think I left the FT in April and then in June I got married and then in November I found out I was pregnant so it was all kind of happened at once um Mm. But yeah, I mean, I think people were were kind of saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't give up your job now if you're going to have kids and, you know, you you won't get maternity pay and all that kind of thing. But I kind of felt like I needed to do it at that point so that I'd be set up and have the freelance kind of thing running before family came along. So, yeah, I think um, when Ruby was born in 2014, I was literally in the middle of writing my first book. So, um managed to manage to get that done and it was published in the end of 2015 I think and yeah so so the kind of business all all kind of started from then really yeah that's quite a journey and quite a lot of changes in kind of really a space of a year I guess mm, yeah. um, taking that leap getting married and then finding out you're expecting was it hard to juggle writing a book and and actually you know having a newborn yeah um yeah I mean it was and but I think I I kind of wish I could go back and like look at myself at that time and see how I actually managed it but I think I was just literally um whenever she had a nap as soon as she I put her down for a nap I'd race to my laptop write a chapter or write a section of the book and then you know you never really knew how much time you were going to have whether she'd sleep for 20 minutes or whether Mm -hmm. she'd sleep for two hours so you just kind of do what you had you know do what you could do in the time you had um and I think the publishers were really understanding because I think I'd found out I was pregnant just as I was signing the book deal so really I should have been going on photo shoots I I would have been going to like the states and around Europe to all these photo shoots but I ended up I decided not to go but yeah they were really understanding and they give me plenty of time to kind of write it all I know that some people that get book deals they're they're given like six weeks to write the entire book um luckily it wasn't the case um (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah I I don't know you just I think you just I think whenever you become a parent you realize that your time is so precious so you don't faff around and look at Facebook for ages or whatever you know you just you know you've got to get done and you just get it done so you're just a lot more productive and yeah and even now that my daughter's at school well not at the moment obviously but normally she's at school even that time just seems to whiz by because it's nearly like you've got more you've got too much time so you kind of faff around a little bit more than you you would if you had less time to get Mm. if you know what I mean you know and I think at the minute while we've been doing the homeschooling again I've nearly had to go back to that being really focused and just getting done what I need to get done can't remember yeah. what the initial question was now but <laughs> just juggling the juggling the children and work but yeah I think everyone just you know just has to get on with it don't they so you just get it done yeah absolutely I, I do certainly remember that 
when I first started my business, it, it was very much about just fitting it in wherever I could and, and just really making the most of that time that I had. So like you say, it kind of really makes you actually really productive because yeah, yeah. You, you haven't got the time to waste actually. So you've got yeah. to, you've got to just get on with it. So exactly. now that the magazine is, you know, and it's, is it fourth year of printing? Yep. So 2016 was um, when we first started printing it. Yeah. So this will be the fourth um, year. So we're currently working on volume 10. So it's a 10th print issue we're working on at the moment. So yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe that next year is actually going to be 10 years since I started it. And you are managing a team of creatives now. And so how does that feel and how does that compare, you know, to perhaps working for another magazine for someone else? Um, yeah no I love it I absolutely love having um our our little team um because whenever I've initially started the magazine online as I said while I was working at the FT I was doing pretty much everything on my own so I was doing all the design I was doing um all the editing I was doing all the all the ad sales you know I was was basically doing everything I did have some contributors that were writing or doing the photography um but it was a much much smaller operation so then when I went into print I was like right I'm gonna have to start doing this properly and working out how to actually make it a bit more of a business so that's why I got um you know started to build a team um and it just made such a difference just having those other people to kind of bounce ideas off and and to kind of distribute the the workload as well um you know I think when you're trying to do everything you're not really doing everything to maybe the best that you could Mm -hmm. so um yeah it's been really great a really you know really supportive um group of women that work with me um and obviously I also have all our contributors I think we've got a kind of a pool of contributors of over 200 writers and photographers and illustrators and it's lovely because everyone kind of gets it and they understand that it is just me and I'm not a big publishing firm that's got loads of money and and everyone kind of understands that it's it's a bit of a passion project in a way yeah so that's really lovely it's really nice to have that that team around me um and I think I think part of the reason why I wanted to kind of run my own business is that I don't really enjoy being told what to do and my husband will probably um (laughs) agree with that um but yeah I really kind of I find it quite difficult at the FT with a particular editor that I worked with that we just didn't see eye to eye um Mm -hmm. and I just I just find it really difficult so I think yeah being in charge is um more suited to me (laughs) yeah I think sometimes particularly when it comes to creative projects as well when you have a specific idea in mind you you do want to be in charge of it don't you because you do Mm. want to kind of take the lead so actually being able to to do that but also outsource and perhaps collaborate with other Mm. um, creatives is is a really nice compromise yeah definitely and it's really nice if I've got ideas that you know I'm not sure whether that's going to work right or whatever it is and I can just talk to the rest of the team and they might have other ideas or you know they might agree or disagree and it's it's really nice to get that feedback from the rest of the team so yeah that's really nice I think and I think just because everyone on the team really gets what I'm trying to do as well really helps because they just you know they totally understand what where I'm trying to go with it so yeah that's really great I think, yeah, having people who really understand the vision is is kind of key uh, when it comes to that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about pitching to publications, because obviously as a freelance writer yourself, I'm sure you would have pitched to have, you know, pieces in other publications, but also Mm -hmm. you as 
the magazine uh, editor, you'll receive pictures as well. So mm-hmm. I wonder whether you have any tips or do's and don'ts when it comes to pitching to magazines and online publications, because I think for small brands and businesses, that is actually quite an important part of their marketing and PR strategy. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. And actually, I get a lot of questions about this. Um, mm. And that's actually what I mentioned at the start about our online workshop. So I actually started the, the first one that I ran was about getting press and getting your mm. small indie brand noticed because I know a lot of people do struggle with it and they're not really sure how to approach it. So that's actually still on the website. If, if anyone is interested, that's like a 90 oh, minute session which you can watch the replay of so I'm talking about you know all the different aspects of of that but I would say in a kind of nutshell one of the the most important things I think anyway um is great photography it's just so so important not only for getting press but for for just promoting your brand in in the way that you want to and for you know if you're selling products that you know the imagery has to has to really sell that's especially if you're selling online and yeah, I just think, you know, whenever I get emails and people get in touch, you know, wanting to be featured, if they haven't got great imagery, it just un- immediately, it kind of turns me off. So just having those great, great images. And I mean, for a lot of the features that we run in 91, it is quite focused on spaces rather than like products and things like that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, we would shoot ourselves anyway. But if you're approaching other, you know, more commercial magazines, a lot of them are using product imagery and they'll want the brand to supply those images Um, because, you know, they're not going to have the budget or the time to kind of shoot everything. So if you've got those images ready to supply, that's definitely going to kind of increase your chances of of getting featured. So, yeah, number one, definitely photography. And if, if, you know, if you're not great at taking your own pictures, then... I, I definitely think it's one of the biggest investments you can make in your business is to um, hire a photographer. And then I would also say, you know, trying to build those relationships and those connections, whether that's in person or online. But yeah, I think for me, if if someone approaches me and we've already maybe conversed on Instagram or had some kind of connection in another way, it, it makes it it makes it easier for me to kind of understand what they do because I've maybe mm-hmm. already looked at their Instagram page or I've already looked at their website so just building those connections a little bit you know on a kind of friendly level as well and I think really kind of grasping what the publication that you're wanting to approach does what they feature what what kind of things are they looking for really try and understand that do a little bit of research you know buy a selection of magazines that you think might be a good fit for you because not every magazine is going to be a good fit um, you know, I quite often get emails from people that are maybe fashion related or, you know, something completely, completely unrelated to what we do. Mm-hmm. And I, I can immediately tell that they have never bought the magazine or they've never looked, you know, they've never even maybe looked at our blog. And it's just, it's a waste of my time. It's a waste of their time. So really try and get to know what that, that magazine is all about and what they do before you approach them. So you can kind of you know, see where, the, where you actually might fit in to their, yeah. their stories and their features and things. So and in terms of things not to do, like I said, you know, it's really great to kind of build those um, connections, whether, you know, you're commenting on Instagram or whatever it is. But I think try not to send direct messages to editors, you know, with your life story. It's fine to, you know, if you kind of want to pop me an email and say, or a direct message and says okay if I send you some stuff or some you know some information or whatever on email but 
it's uh, to be honest like I'll open a direct message from someone that's really long and they're trying to tell me all about their business and I might read it or maybe I haven't got time or maybe I'm looking at it when I'm on the train or something and then I'll close it and I'll forget about it mm-hmm. it's much better to you know to send an email and attach some images just you know it doesn't have to be a really long email just quite concise so yeah I would just avoid direct messages as a way to make contact contact and it it almost seems a little bit um not lazy but just you know you've kind of quickly just you know written a direct message and sent it off and hope that you might get something from it mm-hmm. whereas an email feels a bit more considered and that you've taken the time to actually make contact and I would say you know don't don't kind of badger people too much as well I think it's absolutely fine to kind of follow up if you send an initial email and you don't hear anything back um and you can send another one just to check because sometimes you know emails get lost and might be something that they've missed but I would say you know if you don't hear back second or third time then it's probably it's not going to work out Um, and as I say not not every magazine will be right the right fit for you or you know you might even hear from them in six months time when what you do fits with something that they're working on so yeah just don't don't badger people I think you know most a lot of magazine editors and they'll have on their website that we can't reply to all emails because you know I do get a lot of emails and it's really hard to kind of get back to everyone and I do feel bad I I try to apply to as many people as I, I can but I think especially when it's something that is a complete you know completely wrong fit and they've clearly not taken the time to kind of understand what we do then I just you know I don't really have the time to kind of reply to everyone so yeah I think you know as I said there's 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 quite a lot to it and there's lots of things to think about especially when it comes to like if you're wanting to do a press release and things like that but yeah the the workshop that we have on the website under creative sessions can be really useful for people if they want to delve into that a little bit more yeah I'll be sure to to link to that but I like what you say about you know not perhaps writing out your whole life story and being Mm -hmm. quite concise and 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 respecting the other person's time because I think that's quite important actually that it's not when you're pitching whether that's a you know online publication a magazine or a podcast or anything like that it's not just about you it's it's about what you can provide and what value you can provide to that publication Mm. so um respecting the other person's time is actually a really uh, good tip so as we come to the end if there was one tip that you could give your younger self (laughs) what would it be um I guess I would probably just tell myself that everything in life everything that happens is part of your journey so every choice that you make you know it's worthwhile whether you know whether at the time you think you might have made the wrong decision I think everything is adding value as you go through your life and like I said earlier you know I think I initially kind of felt like oh maybe I chose the wrong degree or the wrong course all those kinds of things but you know now when I'm a bit older I kind of think no it all added something to my life it was all the experiences that have have made me who I am now so um so yeah I just think you know really appreciate everything even if at the time something feels feels wrong or uncomfortable and you know I was in a job for a few years that I was kind of I was quite unhappy and I was you know often coming home in tears and stuff and um you know I'm sure at the time I thought why am I doing this and you know but now I look back on it and I said that probably you know I learned a lot from my years at the FT um you know about publishing and things so you know everything kind of shapes shapes who you are so just kind of enjoy the bad bits as much as the good bits yeah because they're they're just as informative yeah definitely Mm, amazing Mm -hmm. thank you um so where can people find you 
Um, yeah, so the website is just 91magazine.co.uk and Instagram, we're just 91magazine. So the number is 91 rather than the words. And Pinterest, we're again just 91magazine. Amazing. And I'll, I'll make sure I'll pop the link to the course as well in the show Lovely. notes. That'd be great. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Anna. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'd be so, so grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes so that other female creatives can find this podcast too.